Hello, and welcome to Wises and Weirdos, the tabletop podcast set in the world of Fiello. I am Darby, your guide to this wonderful world, and joining me as always are Mitch, playing Neris, Jake, playing the Fishman, Joe, playing Alton, Laura, playing Jack. Let's jump into it. We last left off with the heads of the Hydra slain and the organization dissolved. The crew of the Polaris found themselves without the Polaris and at least for a time went their separate ways with Tibble expressing a desire for more long-term retirement. Meanwhile, on the Red Phoenix, Loren had also expressed dissatisfaction with the way that her captain's journey was going and tendered her resignation from that crew as well. And so we pick up about three months later on the 19th of Lumisaur, middle of summer, just to give us an idea of what everyone's been up to since we last saw them. Mitch, would you like to tell me what Neris has been up to? Oh boy, what hasn't that man been up to? With the dissolving of the heads of the Hydra, that left Neris in a bit of a predicament. The pseudo-captain of this ship, basically, found without a ship. He worked for a little bit to try and get employment for all of the other members of the Polaris, whether it is in other mercenary or merchant companies out at sea or on land or in other positions that might work for them. His personal second-in-command, OPAC, has found a very cushy secretary job at a rival mercenary company at the recommendation of Neris. He's kept in touch with a few of the other members of the Polaris. A lot of the senior crew he has tried to keep in contact with as well, although notably one he has not contacted at all and that is for their own safety. So, with everyone else finding employment, Neris turned to his own state of funding and some of the other problems that he's been facing. Now that he has a little bit of extra time to work on those, he's worked a little bit with Fishman, and he's caught up with his new friend, Eldrin Forbray, and the three of them have been working on a project for the better part of three months working very diligently, very hard, sourcing whatever components are required for this new vessel, essentially. We've hired external mercenaries. We've worked with other companies to try and source material components. It all seems to be coming to a head. Neris has also kept some feelers out there for extra information. He's done a little bit of research on his own for varying types of magic as well. Some very old magics that have been lost, and Neris is trying to refine them again. Some very new experimental magics, but all being practiced and refined and perfected under Neris's hand. And that is essentially everything this man's been up to. A lot of work, a lot of research, always learning, always looking to the future and what that might bring. Towards the end of this three months, coming into the middle of Lumisaur, one day while you were working on parts and on blueprinting and research, Eldrin would come up to you and say, I think I found what we need. It's not going to be easy, but if you get the old band back together, then it should be doable. I'm listening. I think I found a feasible source of power for the device at the heart of this vessel. Interesting. That could... That could be the missing piece. Let us get to work. Fishman, how have your three months been? Quite uneventful. Fishman has been working with Neris quite a fair bit, helping with the project. 
he did go about looking for other sources of information for his own personal benefit, finding out, you know, the usual stuff, who he is, where he's from, all that kind of stuff, but no leads came up. He kind of deduced that Neris is his best lead, and so that is why he has spent most of his time with Neris. However, he has also been put on a top priority mission as well, which should be coming to a conclusion once the band gets back together as well. Apart from that, though, he's just kind of thing hanging around in Ankathir, helping with the project and waiting to catch up with Alton specifically. Alton, how have your past few months been? Alton would have hung around just for a little bit after the chaos of everything that's happened. All the revelations, the dissolving of the heads of the Hydra, but would have just checked in with the others, seen what their plans were. But ultimately seeing a lot of the crew going their own way and without him having his own reservations and fears about everything, he would have himself gone to seek work. And for the first two months of this, he didn't have much success. Seeking work has always been something that is really difficult for him from his lack of a good resume, considering his criminal past, to the fact that it can be quite difficult to find an employer who is willing to accommodate you when he has some limitations to what he can do and how long he can do things for and such. He eventually does manage to pick up a job outside of his general medical field, working at a small shop that focuses on repairing little gadgets and trinkets. A lot of like locksmithing work, a lot of fixing uh, broken metal objects, watches, just little gadgets and such. And he'd be working there for this last month for a rather shaky relationship with a shopkeeper, a dwarf called Dilma Thothka, who just kind of has Alton there just as an extra hand just to fix up all the things that he doesn't want to deal with. He's been staying here, Ankathia, keeping an eye on things. Some certain individuals and uh, groups he's been interested in seeing what they're doing, what their plans are, and if they have any interest in him himself. Janice, how do we find you? So Janice makes good on a lot of the things that he said he would do. He spends time with his family. He spends time relocating his family, who were now in danger. But most of all, he just spends time with them. And a great deal wonderful things happen. A great deal other things he works on. He bides his time. He constructs. And then the night before everything begins... A cry rings out in an already noisy household, only now whining into sleep. Janice, this tall, broad, fierce-looking, plain-touched elf, glowing eyes, scars across his face, hooked teeth like a shark, halts his way to the door, unusually in full adventuring kit, and stops for a moment. He presses a hand to his wife's back, tucks in a kiss to the nape of her neck, and strides in to scoop up an impossibly small baby from a cot. The baby looks not even two months old. He has pointed teeth, just like his father. Janice tries to rock him, small amidst his arms, and he- Hey, hey, Tiber. Hey there, lad. Come shores for you. There's a good boy. Want another cry? Hey, hey now. You know your papa's going away for a bit, don't you? We'll only be for a little while, I promise. How about I tell you a tale, little one? And he turns and holds him a little bit closer and looks out the window as the soft summer sea breeze plays in and he looks out across the waves and continues to rock this small child. And he starts to tell him a story. Once upon a time, when your papa was much younger, not even grown in his whiskers properly, with a name he no longer has, with a life he no longer has, he left for good the very first time. It's okay, it wasn't a life that suited him, and mama wasn't in it yet. Papa had plans, big ideas, but mostly ideas to leave. He wanted to become at the time a sailor, I think. (laughs) He was strong, he had some magic, and most importantly, he had a deep, burning desire to become greater than he ever was. Your papa thought he had streams of fate coursing his way, the winds guiding him to a new life. And on his very first voyage, you know what happened? His very first moment on board a seafaring vessel, the ship struck a storm. He was shipwrecked, tossed into the waves, not strong enough yet to swim, not yet blessed with the same gills and teeth that you have that will let you swim and swim and swim. 
Papa thought he was going to drown. He was pulled under. He lost breath, and then he found it again. Many arms, many eyes, many mouths, tentacles stretching out into oblivion, like so many countless seas of stars. An entity deep of the sea called out to him, called through him, gave him breath, gave him life. When Papa awoke, it was by the grace of Chognish that he found a passing ship, a great mercenary ship where he would first seek his fortune. And since that day, when the Great One of the Deep turned his fortune around, Papa has made sure to turn the fates his way to ensure it. They brought him to your mama, to your siblings, Amias, Nicola, Michaela, Stacy, Bob, and now you, my darling one. I will ensure that the fates string our way. I will protect all of you. I swear. And as young Tiber, his newborn son, number six, starts to turn a little bit more into sleep again, Janice doesn't tell him of the events of the last four months, of the last few months of the mercenary ship, the Polaris, captained by pint-sized mouse fruit Tibble for the mercenary company, the Heads of the Hydra, a ship Janice spent five years of his life on as both boatswain and master-at-arms, fleeing himself into battle with dastardly pirate and sea creature alike, some might even say a kraken once, until a figure from his past, a horned man now calling himself Silent on the Mart, one of the Sin Seekers and the Children of the Abyss, abducted Janus for reasons unknown. He doesn't tell Tiber tales of how his father was beaten, bargained with, and eventually worn down with the both diminished hope and promises of power and influence beyond his wildest dreams, that dark splinter within him always craving more. How he was offered the place of his own sins within the midst of this dark organization, the place of wrath, and threatened with the safety of his own family in the same breath. And how it was not the Polaris who came for him, Janice had to take his own chance, to forge his own fate. And he certainly doesn't tell the tale of the Polaris's quartermaster, sometimes interim captain, at the center of the tempest of impossible things and places. Someone Janice has reached out to but never known. Someone who, impossibly, may well also be the man who travelled through the future and became the villain who revealed himself to be the head of the Sin Seekers and the cause of Janice's recent grief. Janice plans and wonders of how a future doppelganger of one nearest solar lantern has come to exist, what his designs for the Sin Seekers were, and why Janice was so pivotal to this, perhaps still is, of what the current Nerys, still young and fresher faced than his supposed future counterpart, will do and if he will make the right choices. Janice doesn't tell any of these things to his son. He instead holds him so, so closely and kisses his forehead and slips the pendant from his neck to his sons, an amulet to protect him against detection from outside forces, a wish and a promise to keep his family far, far away from all of this madness until it has been done with. And Janice, with immense reluctance, places his son back in his cot, and with the practice steel of a man who has changed his name in his life many times over, Jonas makes sure he turns around and does not look back once as he leaves his home, his wife and his six children. It is not the callousness of abandonment, it is the resolve of a man who knows what he can lose and knows he must change the future. And Janus returns to the sea. Finally, Loren. Well, Loren three months ago made a decision, a life-altering decision that she has regretted many days since and yet knows it was the correct one to make. She spends her time one of three ways for those three months. One, either on the shores of her Iascana beach home, her toes in the sand, Iric flying above her head as she speaks with her father, candidly, for the first time in years. She talks to him about her mother and what it means now that she is beginning to look more and more like her. She spends more time than that alone in the middle of the ocean trying desperately to control it to push herself to the edge and see when she can pull herself back and finding that it changes she does not know where that edge is but she is getting better and it takes a few weeks for her to admit that there is a promise she should follow up on and she spends a lot of time with janice after that ostensibly to help learn to control the shape-shifting, if that is what this is, but also just to see a friendly face, where she has abandoned all that she called friend. Janice is there. And beyond that, there are now six very tiny malleable minds that Loren can teach as many words as she wants. <laughs> and, well, it's not like they're hanging out with any other adults, are they? She becomes very good friends with Janice's kids, 
I guess if there's a, a moment I want to focus in on here, midway through this three months of spending time with her father, with her own small siblings, with herself and with Janice, she realizes that there are things she needs to be better at. If she wants to avoid changing, she needs to avoid being made to change, which means she needs to avoid being hit. So she does some research, one of her favorite things to do, even if she is particularly neutral at it. And she asks Janice if he would go with her to a tattoo parlor. Of course. I've got about 27 of them myself, so yes, absolutely. Need to get another one anyway. Oh, for the little one. Do you have one for each of your kids? Yes, on the back of my calf. Oh, cute. Little shoulder sharks. So off they go to a tattoo parlor that does mundane and magical tattoos. And Loren spends many, many hours getting a tattoo along her left arm, around the feather tattoos, even along the green mottling of her wrist where she cannot hide the fact that she is half triton. She gets a magical tattoo of a constellation across her entire forearm. And anyone who would know constellations when they see it would potentially recognize it as the symbol of what in our world is Aquarius, which were the stars she was born under. And as she sits there getting this tattoo imbued with magic that seeps into her skin and makes her feel as if she can move a little faster, deflect a little quicker, think a little faster in combat, she looks over at Janice so Janice, you can just imagine Lorenz having her tattoo down in the foreground. And then in the background, the second tattoo artist is probably nearly finished doing the little addition to his left car, which has, as you mentioned, almost like a shoal of sharks swimming up his leg. So it's just one more little shark out of there. Janice also has basically just a towel over his ass, and he's otherwise just lying down, fully face down, naked in the background of this little lovely scene with Lorenz getting her amazing magical tattoo. See, I can sort of understand the pants jan has put the shirt too well don't want to be tense for doing a tattoo session they can take ages good job by the way he calls back to the tattoo artist are you really sure you wouldn't rather be in a private room of course not it's a good time to chat without the kids around talk of the future talk of the past how are you doing with all of it oh you know the future and the past aren't they wild besides i'm not the one to talk about either of those things perhaps not have you heard from him not yet Have you heard from her? Why would I have? I left. You, of all people, know that pirates don't resign. (laughs) That is true. Pirates don't resign. I guess that makes me not a pirate. So what is it going to make you, then? Ah, the queen of bad decisions. Well, that much is plenty obvious, considering your drink of choice, Miss Vinegar. So, uh... Now, hey, now, it's good for you. She leans over to her tattoo artist. Have you ever tried white vinegar? It's really good for you. Can't say I have. It's disgusting. Don't listen to him. Who's the naked one in the tattoo parlor? No, I'm the one with logic here. Who was complaining about this, really? Me? Oh, yeah, fair. You know, I was thinking. Are you well? (laughs) No, it's you we have to open the window for when you think too hard. Um, sort of need to find a job, don't I? Can't mooch off you and your family forever. No, that is true. What happens if they get bored of you one day? The kids wouldn't get bored of me. I'm their favorite aunt. That is quite true. Mostly considering they don't have any other aunts. That's a technicality. A new job, though, you're saying? Well, I'm a pretty good navigator. So I've heard, allegedly, from you many times. Have I ever gotten lost? No. Have I ever led you astray? Mm, no, since I'm thinking too hard, I'm going to have to open up the window. <laughs> no, I'm... Looking to look towards old faces again. Well. Not her. No. That is a bridge I burned. But who needs bridges when you have ships? I overheard you talking about how at some point you're going back. Of course, I have to. There are things to be done. Back to him? Back to him. Well, I'm just saying. He could use someone who could help him not get lost. Well, I must say you'll have to make your appeal yourself there. I'm not too sure how much of a big fan he is of you, from what I hear. Everyone loves me. Ah, true, true. Everyone loves me too, but then there are still people that aren't enthralled by every single story I make. Impossible to imagine, I know, but it's true. I know. But it might be worth handing in your resume, perhaps. Oh, I'm definitely going to be handing in my resume. Just let me know when you're swimming away. 
I'll be not far behind. I'll certainly let you know, sister, brother. And they continue getting their tattoos. All right. On the 19th of Lumisaur, after making arrangements, Neris. So Neris has been speaking with Eldrin about the nature of this quest. We very quickly ruled out the regular mercenary company that we have been using, as we think this is probably a little bit higher tier than what they would be useful for. There is very quickly a list of names that spring to mind, and very soon after they hit paper. Fishman, Alton, curiously, Loren, and a name at the bottom is Janice. And it's been circled, but it is at the bottom. And it seems like, you know how on a piece of paper, if you've got writing, and you're sort of debating on a particular word that you use, and you might tap a pencil or do little scribbles around it. There's a lot of that around Janice, as if there was questions or conversations being had. But every one of those people, along with a couple of others, will get some form of correspondence. For the most part, it comes as a message, a presence in their head. For Alton, it comes in the form of a handwritten letter, very simply stating, for all of you, there is a matter that requires assistance. It will pay well, and I thought of you first. I only thought of you. Please meet in Ankathir. More will be discussed. I think you got the wrong number. I'm out of the office. Contact me at a later date. Followed immediately by her turning to Janice and go, Hey, what the fuck? He just responds, Yes, I'll be there. And then looks over at Anna and the children playing in the yard and then just nods at her. Ishman, any response? I'll be there as soon as I can. So just as a little visual reference... Neris has newly developed a spell which allows him to send out a sending message to multiple people at the same time. I would very much like everyone to understand the visual of Neris sending off this new form of magic and then getting an immediate migraine as three people talk to him at the same time in his own head. Alton, do you send any physical response back? I think he wouldn't send a response. He's going to show so, day of rendezvous, probably the day after the next. Now, Neris, where do we find you as you are awaiting your allies' arrival? So, Neris has booked a table in the back corner of a very familiar tavern. The newly refurbished tavern with a brand new roof that has been paid for by the heads of the Hydra before their dissolvement. And on entry, they would find, sitting at the head of the table, Neris, steepled over a very large tome that hasn't been seen before. It looks almost as if he's compiled all of his notebooks into one until you look down at his satchel and you can see all of his other notebooks are still there. This is just a new book. He looks almost taller than what he did before. It's not necessarily a height thing. Almost more confident, more sure. And as all of you enter, he will look up and stand and gesture you to a seat. For the record, Loren is five minutes late and she rocks up with a frozen drink from a different tavern. Iric around her shoulders uh, of note. Her right eye with the scar is still black in the sclera. Her pupil and iris are the same, but her eye is still black. She's wearing a lot of dark colours. She just kind of walks in and goes, Oh, so it is a party. Then she takes a seat and immediately pulls out another chair and puts her feet up on it and just reclines and slurps loudly on her cold drink. Fishman will probably walk in as well. Now, nothing is different with Fishman. It's the same old Fishman that you know and love. However, there is something different, just not with Fishman. As Fishman comes in, he'll say a few, like, hellos, and uh, good to see you again, and even go up to Loren and say, where did you get to that? That looks pretty good. Oh, like two blocks down. It was really nice. I was already running late, so I figured, why not? Fair enough. And then he'll take a seat, but he is actively looking and waiting for someone to arrive, specifically Alton. For those who are with Fishman at the moment, you'll notice a fluff ball 
kind of rummaging around his shoulders, skirting up next to his neck. A very rotund fluff ball. But this particular fluff ball also has a little tiny cape. And for those who are familiar with Alton, they would recognize this little fluff ball as Rat. But Rat with a cape and looking a little bit more fat than what you would remember. So Alton will enter this moment. Like, it's just kind of like awkwardly, surreptitiously. He's kind of looking around like he's not used to this environment, like seeing all these people. He doesn't seem super pleased, super comfortable with it. I mean, it's probably not super easy to see because he's wearing the same dark glasses that he always wears to be able to see. But he's looking probably more tired than the last time you saw him. The clothes he's wearing are a bit better quality, a bit more expensive. They're not all patched and like handmade like they were last time. Although they are the same kind of dark colour schemes. Probably the only handmade accessory is a little scarf that he has around his neck with finely embroidered writing on it. And he does still have the same old medicine bag around his hip though. And he's going to make a uh, beeline right for fish man upon seeing him. Fishman will stand up straight and salute and kind of wave off. However, as he's saluting, he'll look down at Rat at his shoulder and kind of give his shoulder a little bit of a nudge and go, tension. And Rat, upon the second time Fishman says tension, will kind of attempt to stand up and do like a salute, but kind of like falls down, but tries again. Alton? Fishman. I believe the mission is complete. Do you like the report? Of course. <clears throat> As directed, Rat has mainly been eating fruits, specifically apples, like this one here. He nipped about 15 people on the ankles that I witnessed, but could be more. The first couple of days, he did obviously miss you. Very hard to find him sometimes, and was often looking for you specifically. I will admit, on one of the days, I did lose him for an entire day, but he was found in the food scraps, munching away. And I believe this is a spot he has been frequenting, as you can probably tell, gesturing towards the overly round rat on his shoulder. We have attempted to mitigate this with some exercises and training, and for my own amusement, I put him in a cape. He seems to tolerate it sometimes. I I see. I, uh, your work guarding him has been sufficient. And then he's like standing up very straight and serious, but he kind of turns away a little bit as he gets a little emotional seeing Rat. And then um, he'll probably drop the act and be like, it's good to see you again, Alton. Good to see you too. I'm glad to see Rat wasn't you know, overfed too much. He's still hanging in there. Is this a common occurrence? Uh, it's certainly something that he's tried to do when I was working in the kitchens. That's kind of how we met. I could not get him to leave at all. He was very determined to eat all the scraps. So I thought, well, I'd better try to train him out of that. Training him has been difficult. I can't imagine you've gone very far with that yourself. And with that, he'll outstretch his arm, as if to gesture that Rat will run down his arm and towards Alton. Alton will, like, hold out his arm somewhat tentatively towards uh, Rat. See if Rat will scurry onto his arm. You do note a look of recognition, but I think Rat's just a little too distracted at the moment. Seems to be getting a few wafts of food from the kitchen. (laughs) You would almost think he was weighing up his options as to whether it was worth the risk. Seeing this, Fishman will dig his claws into the apple and kind of cut out a slice for Rat and give it to Rat, and then cut out another slice and give it to Alton. No, I think he's probably been better off if he knew, actually. I would say not. He's not the best swimmer, and I do frequent the waters often. I believe that I can at times be a favourite. But, Rat, we do need some time apart. You stink quite a fair bit. He will speak with animals for that as well. Uh, that's my rat voice. I suppose, I suppose. That, that last bar was as a little bit much. That's, that's not manners, is it? Bring up someone's odour? I believe honesty is a key part to any kind of relationship or friendship. And Rat is quite blunt and honest with me, so I fear it's the only proper way to do it when I'm referring to them. If Rat doesn't go towards Alton, Fishman will just sit back down again. 
but he will look quite longingly at the cut up apple that he's holding as well as if it was bringing back bad memories and finally as everyone has turned up late the latest of all is Janice who strides through the open doorway of the tavern for those who haven't seen much of Janice of which many of you haven't he is just as tall and imposing as he's always been. Unlike many of the people dressed here, he is dressed like a mercenary. You do recognise part of the plate armour that he normally used to wear when working for the Polaris, engraved with the tentacles of his god. One of the pauldrons is missing. There seem to be a great deal of repairs have been tooled to sort of a lot of his gear, but you can also, in the gleam of the tavern light, see there's old slashes and nicks and grooves in his armour as well, so it hasn't been fixed perfectly. Where one pauldron's missing, he actually has a bare shoulder. Janice is a large very muscular man so like that shoulder is very broad there's a fair bit of bicep going on it's impressive you can see a very intricate tattoo of like a large wing that seems to stretch out across it as well he's sort of wearing uh, more heavy sort of leathers metals greaves and things like that he has a shorter cape the cape tied around his neck sort of like a scarf he's got his glaive flung over his back and instead of his hair out like he used to wear it all the time he's got it pulled back like People on Earth would know it was like a bubble braid. And he almost seems to glow as the sun catches him. And he just stops in the middle of the room and purposefully pans his head around and then just focuses down on the table where people have gathered. And then his gaze is naturally drawn to Nero's. He stops and then slides his gaze to Lorraine and nods at her and then nods at Fishman, at Alton, and then finally back at Nerys. And then he will stride up to the empty chair and sits down. Right, so now that we are all here, welcome everybody. It has been a long time. You all look very well. As do you. Thank you. I um, I have called you all here for a reason. I have been working on... Rather, I've been working on something with Fishman, a project, something that may be able to help us secure our future. We are close to making the final preparations and have located a focus which we believe will be the final step in this piece. However, it is dangerous, and I need some help acquiring it. I wanted to ask only the most skilled and trustworthy individuals and that is without hesitation yourselves I must impress on you this is potentially very dangerous I do not know exactly what we may be walking into only that the item that we seek is guarded by something very powerful but it may help with what has happened Janice says, steely-eyed as he leans forward a little. I believe it may help for what will happen. Then I am in. It will be worth the cost, if that is true. What kind of future will this lead us to? Can it break the one that hit us before? I believe it will give us the ability to break that future, yes. Sounds good. Thanks for the flattery. I reckon we're a pretty good crew as well. I mean everything that I have said. I have worked with many a crew over many a year. And I realize my time on the Polaris has been turbulent. However, it is my hope that we are able to move forward as a unified team to prevent the future that we have seen in the past. I am glad to hear that time has not been spent idly. There have been many plans being made. Where is this item or the creature that guards it? I wish to... Here, if we are all unified before any details get out. Ah, so we have to all sign the contract before we get the terms and conditions, right? You must understand, Lorraine, the item we seek is a very powerful magical focus. It can only be controlled by a very powerful receptacle. Is this you admitting I'm stronger than you are? Because if that's the case, and I really need everyone to write that down, that's vitally important to me. Here I was really thinking I was going to have to convince you to hire me and like do a whole bunch of things about like knowing our exact coordinates or whatever. But if this is you actually extending the hand to me, then I said yes when I walked into this building. 
Why did you want to be hired by me? I have to make sure everyone at the table is a unified front before I reveal that information. There is a cave along the coastline of Ankathir, which holds a arcane reagent, which will be the final piece in creating a vessel that is able to traverse not only the seas, but the skies above and the dimensions around it. That would be impossible. It was impossible. And now it is real, or could be. Now it is the future. So you found a way to fly between the piece of paper? I believe we can create a new piece of paper. Interesting. I see why you wanted secrecy on this matter. Anyone getting their hands on a, a product like that would become infinitely powerful. Exactly. Which is why I have asked for you. I know you all. You know me, and we know each other. We know what could come. I believe this can prevent that. I cannot achieve that without your help. We cannot achieve that without your help. And Naris is going to look at Fishman. You have been awfully quiet there, Mr. Fish. I am privy to some of the information, but I believe it's in everyone's best interest to be a part of this. I'm already signed up. But I'm just listening to all of you and seeing what you all have to say. Hmm. Everything I know, Neris knows, and more. Goodness, you were working closer together then. An enviable position. So you've all been conspiring with this little plan, and now you call in the big leagues? There is no conspiring. We have been working together to benefit one another, and now we have reached an impasse. The goal was always for the betterment of all of us. You have all been brought into a terrible timeline, and I wish to bring you out. Again, you have my allegiance for this. I came when you called. I am grateful. Loren looks around the table at everyone, very seriously thinking about this, especially like Janice and Neris with this very important, tense moment of them speaking to each other for the first time in a while. And she loudly slurps on her drink and goes... Ah, feck it. Seems like it'll be fun. Sign me up. Are we not allowed to swear on this boat either? Because I don't know if I can keep that. There are no restrictions on the language used. Oh, feckin' ace, Neris. You're the best. Really, have I finally worn you down? I'm not captain of this particular vessel, so I cannot make the rules. Then who is? Well, at the moment, we only have a very small vessel, as... The crystals that we need are to finish a larger ship. So I apologize, but the traveling along the coast will be um, cramped. I assure you it is temporary. That was a masterful avoidance of the question. Oh, so where to from here? At the moment, all I require is for you to be present on the boat tomorrow morning. As for when we reach our destination... Unfortunately, I believe I will require much more. Neris is going to give the number of one of the piers, which is like the local fishing dock piers. It's like, it's you don't get regal ships in that area. They're a little bit closer together. They're shorter piers. They're made for like shallower waters. Anyone who has spent a lot of time around the docks would automatically go, Ew. Yes. But essentially, Neris has rented a a small boat that can take us to where we need to go and will take us back. And that's about it. Um, Alton has been kind of watching everyone, and especially Neris, very intently and kind of tap, tapping his finger against his glass. Before you get too into the details, uh, I never actually gave an agreement you know, I have a job and everything now. What's the what's the prospects on this one? Is this case-by-case work, full-time employment? All I am asking at the moment is a single mission. Once the construction on my new ship is complete, I believe there will be potential for long-term employment again. Similar to the Polaris, however, with much more freedom. Right. Alternate to what you'd expect from him answering that question, he does not look especially happy at the answer of that one. Of course, I have, like, complete confidence in my abilities, but, like, what's the stakes if this mission gets fucked up? There is 
I believe, a single creature that guards this cave. I do not know much of this creature. However, I do know the crystals have not yet been retrieved. Knowing our time on the Polaris, the probability of injury on any given day is always high, regardless of whether we run into enemy contact or just each other. So it would be no higher than when we were on the Polaris. Besides, we did fight a Kraken one time. We did. And everyone had their limbs intact, so how bad could this be? And without you there, the probability only gets higher. On talk of the Kraken, Neris is notably silent. Right, so when did you say tomorrow was when it would be starting? Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. I'll think about it. Do you mind if I ask what the nature of your work is? You mentioned you did get another job, but you never mentioned what it was. Yes, well, that's not very exciting. I just repair gadgets and stuff. Lots of fixing broken locks. Good practice, honestly. That sounds very rewarding, but surely that is something that can be postponed. I don't know, the boss is a bit of a bastard, I'd probably just get fired. Tell him you got kidnapped by pirates. We are not pirates. (laughs) Ah, still not considering it. No, pirate life is, I believe, beneath all of us. Hey! You're not a pirate anymore, remember, Loren? Shut up. Oh, okay. Regardless of what any of us were, in the past. We have an opportunity now to change the future. All it takes is just to be at the docks tomorrow morning. Well, now I've been called out here, we're going to find a place to stay for the night, aren't we, Loren? <sighs> Do you think you can pay for a night? It's technically a business expense. Whereabouts are you staying? Me. He's looking at Nero's. Oh! I'm sure I could source accommodation for everyone who has made the trip. Yeah. It would be no trouble at all. I would love to insight check Neris in this moment. Like, about everything, but just in this moment when he's very awkward and his walls are down a little. Uh, and I did pre-roll and get a dirty 20. <laughs> okay. I got a 19 deception, so no. Um, Neris is trying very hard to look like that was just an option that was already on the table, and he's now just voicing it. He does look a little bit annoyed Not so much that he has to pay, but almost like this is more difficult than he was expecting. Perhaps he thought he could just call up his friends and just be like, hey, come on an adventure. And they're like, yeah, sure, no worries. But regardless, he's a little bit miffed. However, you would notice that there is very much that desire, almost a need to have everyone agree to this venture. Aw, cute. He thinks we're friends. Look... If it's too much trouble, I'm sure we can find somewhere for the night. I know that while some of us have some stuff going on right now, we also also were there three months ago. I'm sure we'd all rather see that not happen again. So you can count on me to be there. And any bosses we have to talk to, well, I'm sure they can be persuaded. Are you planning to give him sick leave? Only if he's not obeying the fair work ombudsman, really. Are you getting all your 10 minutes, all your 30s? It's very important stuff. Mm. I guess uh, I consider taking leave if you think I would be helpful to this mission. And whilst we've spoken on and off over the past couple of months, I feel like I've barely gotten to know what you're doing these days. It'd be great to catch up with you and everyone else as well, as he gestures towards Lorenz's tattoo as well, as in to inquire about it without asking. Seems a lot has changed. And I could use another trip with you. Good old times. Alston is just looking us very uncomfortable at a lot of the directions it's going. And a lot of what everyone is trying to say to comfort him is not really helping. It's probably also clear to Loren, probably because she uses similar strategies that when he was talking about like his boss and stuff, there is a hint of truth to that, but that's not the thing that is the issue here. Hmm. You know, I think we could all go for a round of drinks to celebrate Alton taking leave for the first time in a thousand years and also the beginning of a new adventure. Alton, would you like to go come get drinks with me? Please do. Make sure she doesn't get a little vinegar for everyone. I would really like a good drink. (laughs) Oh, now who said I was going to get vinegar for everyone? Just for Neris. Certainly, what drinks are you offering? And he'll get up to go with her. Well... 
what I'm offering you, Alton, is a shoulder to cry on. What's your problem? What is suddenly being asked to just turn my life around and start this new job when I already have a job and who even knows the details of this current job? Is that weird? Well, you've done it before. I mean, under duress. And now you're getting asked. I mean, I suppose. But like, you know, I got this huge payout from Heads of the Hydra being killed, which was great, honestly. But like, lump sums of money do not last. I need consistent work. Not jumping into danger with you folks. Well, I can't fault you for that. I'm just saying you seem like the type to get bored. I recognize a man who's running. I've been running for years. What makes you running into here? For the laughs. And because, despite it all, I made a friend on that old ship of yours. And judging by a very small little man in an itty-bitty cave, you've made a couple friends too. I guess they grew on me. (laughs) Friends are like a mold that you welcome. The best mushrooms you could ever find. (laughs) So, what's wrong with the mushrooms? I suppose anything is wrong with the mushrooms. I don't know how to work this metaphor into anything. Sorry. That's it's a bad metaphor. You can abandon it. I don't care. Sometimes I just say shit out and it's not my fault people listen. That's a, a definitely a way I live too. I was just not so good with turning words into other things. No, no, it's it's good. I like talking to you. So, you've got friends. You don't like your boss. And as much as it's a less stable income, it's a income I think you enjoy getting more. So what is your issue? There's no need for the interrogation. I'll come along. I'll protect those mushrooms. I never said I was interrogating you. I just like knowing things. I'm not worried about what you're going to do with the things that you know. What would I do? I'm on the boat too. True, so then you can probably, I don't know, tease more, I guess. With Neris on the ship, why would I bully you? We'll turn to head back towards the others now with drinks, I guess. Look, I just don't want those mushrooms getting hurt, okay? That's all that's going on. I'll try to help. I think, regardless of whether you help or not, those mushrooms are going to put themselves in danger. I think the one thing you need to think about, because you don't really have to give your answer until tomorrow morning, when you can turn up very dramatically and fancily in your new little hat, is whether or not that now you know they're getting into danger. Are you going to be comfortable? If you can live with knowing they're in danger and you're not there, don't come along. There's no judgment in that. If you'd rather be there and know, then come. That's as easy as it is, really. It, like, pulls a face. Sure. Sure. Thanks for the little pep talk. I mean, I don't think it pepped you up very much, but I feel better. <laughs> Glad to be of service. Always. And they go back with the drinks. And Rat is very interested in Elton's apple juice. While the other two are away, Naris is going to look over at Janice. And there's... He's already looking at him. This brief pause where we're kind of just looking at each other. You know why I did not contact you. He seems to contemplate something for a moment. I do. Would it help for you to say it? I did it to keep you safe. Kind of, his mouth does quirk a little bit. It almost looks fond for a moment. He just nods. I know. I appreciate it. That is a kindness. You know who I am. And you know how I am. Yes. Regardless of whether I want to learn something, I have a need for it. A longing for it. The fact that I do not know something is painful to me. If I was to reach out... I've been experimenting with methods to potentially keep you and your family in a safer mindset in the inevitable future where we work together, which has now come to pass. Yes, the past is now the present and the future is now the now. I shall hope I never have to use them, but if I do... I want you to know that I have contingencies. I do not want the future to affect any more than it already has. Janice nods. He's been sitting back, but he draws himself up a bit more to his height and leans forward a little bit. And how is Neris currently, like, sitting right now? Like, what does he look like? Neris is sitting forward. His hand steepled, his left hand fully gloved, his right open. Dennis reaches out and just pats the elbow of his left arm, I suppose. 
It helps for you to have said it. And I know what you mean about wanting to know things. That longing deep within you. And then he looks over it. What's Fishman doing right now? Uh, <laughs> so he's like staring. sitting right next to us. <laughs> he's, he's kind of zoned out. Once people left the table and the energy completely dropped, he's kind of just staring at an apple, kind of fiddling with it in his hands. Not a good kind of mood that he's given off either. Jessica notes this is curious internally and just squashes it down a bit. And then Neris and gestures for him to lean closer. Yes. And Janice inclines closer to Neris and most gently just places one finger on like the side of his head, like towards his temple as he leans forward and whispers to him, My sixth child was born while you were gone. There is some knowledge for you. His name is Tiber. Thank you. I look forward to working together. Quartermaster or captain or... I hope in the future my title could be friend. I hope so too. He pats Snares on the shoulder and then... Fishman! What are you doing with that apple? I'm quite literally just looking at it. Did you want some? Oh, well, no, I can't really eat any fruit or anything like that. I'm a meat man only, unfortunately, after the bite. That rat, though, Alton's pet rat, have you been looking after him? Yes, I thought that would have been quite clear from the report. Well, I didn't want to pry. I was sort of trying not to listen, although, you know, you did tell a very good report, I must say. Yes, well, Rat has been keeping me company. <sighs> Whilst I have been busy with Neris, most of the crew hasn't been here. But yeah, and what, what have you been doing? Oh, this and that. Uh, I've been spending time with my family. And he's like, almost unconsciously touched just under where his armor is. There's this little strung necklace that you would recognize that has little sharp teeth on it. He just kind of just taps up. Thanks, Shognesh, everything is well. And I am a new father. Congratulations. Number six, they are all the lights of my life. That is quite a number. Yes, well, <laughs> you know what they say. It's too bloody many children is what they say. Ah, the drinks. Lorenda's slide Neris a shot of vinegar, followed immediately by a glass full of whiskey. Well, why not? And we vinegar whiskey. And on that note, as Alton and Loren return to the table and you all spend an afternoon drinking, catching up, uh, that is where we're going to leave it for this first episode back to season two, where things are going to get quite crazy. Thank you all for watching, for listening. We will see you next time. Sorry for listening. Goodbye. Bye. So late that night, as the revelry dies down and Neris returns to his chambers where he's been sleeping, and Neris takes out a fresh notebook, writes on the cover for when you're free, and then opens up the first page and will write in it, Janice has a sixth child, a son called Tiber. He will close the book put it up on his bookshelf, and then he will pull out his wand, point it at his temple, and cast Modify Memory to remove that thought from his head. Okay. And then he will go to sleep, not knowing what he's done.